Hello, and welcome to Love as a Business Strategy, a podcast that brings humanity to the workplace. We're here to talk about business. We want to talk. We want to tackle topics that most business leaders shy away from. We believe that humanity and love should be at the center of every successful business. And I'm your host, Jeff Ma. I'm a director of. Uh, I'm a director at Softway, an agency based out of Houston that specializes in digital transformation, culture, and branding. Now, each episode, we're going to be diving into one element of business or strategy, and testing our theory against it. Does love have a place? in it so today we want to talk about diversity and inclusion a little bit um broad at first we have a lot we can talk about here but as a starter here diversity and inclusion right now is at the forefront of a lot of conversations especially in businesses right now and not everyone is approaching it the same way so we want to explore the different ways that we might be looking at dni and that businesses might be looking at DNI, and we also want to, of course, answer that question: how love might change the equation. So, I'm joined some of by some of my colleagues here today. I'm going to start with you, Chris. Chris Petrie, our VP at Softway. Uh, Chris, what's the first thing you can think of, or sorry, what's the first thing you think of when you wake up each morning? Uh, the first thing I think of is usually how fast can I get to the restroom because I usually have to pee right now. <laughs> uh, it's like that's like the first thing. So it's like I usually that usually is what wake, wakes me up. So um, how fast can I get to the toilet? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, America and listeners. <laughs> I went to a very scary place very fast. So we're friends. No, no, that's just that's just <laughs> enough information. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Next up, we have Mohammed Anwar, our president and CEO. Mohammed, what's the best gift you've ever gotten? Now, in five seconds, go. Just kidding. Take your time. A t Under Armour T-shirt. Really? That's the best gift you've ever gotten? Just a shirt? <laughs> oh, it's because Frank. Gave me five seconds to give it. I mean, just because yeah. Frank gave it to you. <laughs> I just received that gift today, so that's what I'm just talking about. Fair it has enough, layers of meaning. It has layers of meaning, Jeff. Yeah, it's like, hopefully his wife is not watching this. <laughs> <laughs> Last but not least, we have Frank, Frank, a director here at Softway. Frank, what's what's your most used emoji? Uh, it's the face, the face that looks like you're in trouble, like the teeth are all wide, kind of like that long extended oval with the teeth in it. Mm -hmm. It kind of looks like shocked and scared. Yes, Chris has it. You can't see it when you're listening to it, but that's the one that I use the most. Or the one that's kind of like got the, the eyebrow raised that looks very inquisitive, but kind of sarcastically inquisitive. That's the other one that I used to. I gave you, last time I gave you two, this time I'm giving you two. So yeah, so I'd like you to make that face for the entire show if you could. Thank you, starting now. Okay, <laughs> awesome. So welcome guys. We're gonna dive into a, a pretty pretty important topic right now and before we, talk deeply about it, I'd like to start broad and, and let's 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 define it, right? Let's define diversity inclusion. What is DNI? And Frank, why don't you kick us off on this definition here? Yeah, so diversity is just another word for the differences between people. And inclusion refers to the behaviors and social norms that ensure people have proper equity. So and putting it another way, diversity means people are invited to the dance, that there's a, a wide variety of people at a dance. 
inclusion means they're not just there, they're actually dancing, right? So DNI in the workplace is the effort to bring different backgrounds, perspectives, and thinking with equitable say and returns in strategy, outcomes, and problem solving within an org. So DNI is actually a competitive business advantage. And you know, today we're going to be talking about DNI from that particular lens. I think, Jeff, if you don't mind, I think it's important that we also start at the historical lens and really go back to like where it came from. Mm -hmm. um, many people just don't know how it came to be and why it's such a hot topic now, but it actually has been around since the 60s. So after the Civil Rights Act of 1964, um, and it became illegal for companies to discriminate based on race, they realized, holy crap, this is now liability. We can't just fire black people or not hire black people um, or people of color uh, whenever we want to. So now that there's an actual liability that is a hard cost that will impact the bottom line, let's go ahead and pay to make sure that we are in compliance with said law. And so DNI actually started more as a, as a compliance measure where companies were just trying to protect their money not necessarily wanting to bring in that diversity. And I'm, I'm grossly characterizing every company into this bucket, but just bear with me for a history lesson. <laughs> um, and then you come to the place where, you know, after compliance, you know, bullies just got better at bullying, really, right? You were, you were still capable of getting away with misbehaviors and mistreatment. It was just something that was allowed and wasn't regulated. And then, you know, fast forward a few decades and the word inclusion started to come into place because black people and people of color were coming into organizations, but they weren't moving up in those organizations. And when they were moving up, they weren't included in the conversations, the decisions, the strategies, um, and even the rewards of those strategies and decisions. And so the word inclusion started to become um, sort of the, the prominent sort of uh, topic in DNI because that meant that not only was I at the table, but I also had a voice. I also had a share in decision-making. I also had a share in the rewards and the reaping, and I could advocate for others who are not at the table as well and not be worried about persecution or being removed from that table. And so you start seeing these trends of inclusion and sort of having more women in the workplace, having uh, more you know, uh, people of color and just different um, perspectives from lifestyle and physical to even cognitive and behavioral coming into not just the workforce, but even management positions and then senior management and executive leadership. And so going into you know, that realm, of course, became even more difficult when companies went global, right? Because we're looking at the US primarily when you talk about DNI, because that's typically seen as the cradle of DNI um, and where it came from and where it started. But when you get into the global conversation, they have different issues everywhere around the world, right? Like, it is not just about racism and sexism. Like, it's the, like there are so many things. And um, I know Muhammad is probably thinking about um, India and some of the things that we see there. But it's just it can it can actually get even more, I don't want to say hairier, but even more complex as you have global organizations that might not even know when they open said office but there are issues they, they can't see or understand. I totally agree, uh, Chris. Uh, taking it to a global perspective brings about more challenges um, associated with DNI. So, you know, having an office in India for software, we've observed, you know, issues or diversity issues around regions. So 
you have India as a very large country and you have different parts of the country, you know, in different states and so forth. So they have issues with regionalism. Then they have issues with languages. Which language is your mother tongue? That also has created diversity um, uh, issues at the workplace down to um, religion, religi religionism or casteism uh, or colorism. Uh, you know, fair skin or lighter skin is preferred over darker skin, um, skin tone. So all of these are issues that are visible in a workplace in a very diverse country like India. And uh, it's, it's also the source of strength and uh, diversity has also proven to be, uh, as Frank rightfully stated, it, it it's, uh, brings a lot of business value if we are able to embrace it the right way. Awesome. So, you know, I kind of I asked the broad definition question intentionally vague because as you can see, there's there's a lot of ways to look at D&I and you can you can sense there's this there's this positive intent behind it. And there's also some um, undertones of it that are that it's not so good. It's not such a positive thing or at least in practice, it might not be. Right. So I want to explore those things a little bit today. And I think one of the easiest ways to do that is kind of bring it into perspective. Of, of, of our company and I, I don't always want to use you know software as like the, the platform of what's right or wrong we're just I want to share our story so um, you know I'm gonna pass it over to Chris actually you know how did software approach DNI we don't claim to be experts we, we're just we try we, we've done some stuff so share right. what that stuff was. Right? We, just, we done yeah. some. <laughs> we done some, like I mean we did a thing and then it turned out. Right? Yeah. <laughs> um, so DNI is such an interesting term because some of the misconceptions of DNI is that it's a checkbox. Yeah, we got it. We did that. Done, yeah. done, done. Um, or it's just a reaction to issues once issues arise. Um, and we, you know, unbeknownst at the time, were really starting with our culture. We didn't set up a DNI office. We didn't set up a DNI team. We didn't go and start getting to a whiteboard and setting up goals and metrics of how many women we wanted to see, how many people of color we wanted to see. We didn't start there. We started with our culture mm -hmm. and that culture that we had when we started was not inclusive. Um, and as we started looking across our organization, we started noticing things that we did not like within our teams. And it wasn't that the people were bad. It was that, that perhaps we aren't expanding what's possible within certain roles as we are recruiting, as we're considering candidates, um, as we are onboarding candidates. Right. And so if you go back to, um, at least when I started at Software back in 2015, we all came together and, and you know, we first started looking at, I think, the PM group, which I think is near and dear to Jeff's heart. Mm -hmm. um, and instead of just saying, like, we're going to get rid of, like, anybody, we started looking at, okay, we know we have a need for new PMs. Who do we need to see in this organization? And what life experiences, not what backgrounds, not what educational degrees, not like, what life experiences are going to make project managers successful inside of software yeah and when you go back in i know we didn't intentionally like say we're going to solve and crack this you know <laughs> nut that we, we 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 um now know to be a a really big problem but the makeup of the project management team before we started was largely male mm -hmm. <laughs> right um and I can say this confidently because data shows that women are better communicators, but they were male and poor communicators, to be honest. <laughs> like they communication was not would not be 
a strength that I would put on those old folks. And I love them to pieces, right? And some of them were before my time. But when we started to look at what makes a PM really successful and what attributes or characteristics or experiences should they have, we really started to correlate back to like, wait, people are successful in software when they've had some sort of service related experience in their career, whether they be working at a restaurant, whether that be working some sort of corporate support organization, but when they've been able to serve a customer selflessly, they tend to be far greater and more successful in our customer relationships and our internal team conversations and whatnot. And then we started to really apply that. And when we started, and you know, you can share your experience because you were the main one sort of at the helm <laughs> and at the seat making those calls. Um, but we we started looking at different sort of, I would say, um, experiences and would ask pointed questions, but also see what naturally bubbled up in some of those conversations. Um, and you know, just to yep. fast forward to the outcomes, your team is largely female, but everybody has a different background. Like there's not one person with the same background, Very. except for the fact that they've all served in some capacity in their career. Yeah, I I, I remember when we when we first back in the day started consulting and working with other companies and clients around DNI, we had this kind of weird, awkward moment where we're like, we don't use those two letters in our organization. Like we've never really said it. Like right. we don't even know what and it doesn't mean that we didn't focus on it actually. We just yeah. we just never used it. And so when we sat down to try to understand like what do like what is DNI to us, we actually found that, you know, we kind of went a very different route on it. I love that you brought up my project managers because um, I love that team to death. And you're absolutely right. At the time, nobody said diversity or inclusion. Nobody even yeah. recognized a bias or a problem in that space. Yeah. But it did end up being this thing where we go, let's improve the team. Let's change the criteria in which we're looking for recruiting. And you know, I, I remember at a point even thinking, man, a lot of people I'm interviewing are, are female. Like I'm getting a lot of female interviews and I talk to them and, 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 you know, a lot of them still work here today. And, and the team is definitely majority female now, not intentionally either in that direction. It's just, we started looking at that differently and something really, really quite proud of because without ever saying diversity or inclusion, we're getting people who I think the real definition of inclusion should be agnostic of those factors. Like that term D and I only exists because we're dividing by those those lines and not looking yeah. at people for their qualities, their their talents, and their other attributes. Yeah, and I think, go ahead, Mohammed, you go ahead. I was going to say, uh, Chris, uh, definitely. I know that 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 story. Then we took it and we extended it. Right. We we actually started to look at every recruitment uh, opportunity within in India or U.S. and we looked at it from the lens of our culture. Are they going to fit in our culture? Mm -hmm. Are they going to be able to? Um, live up to the values and the expectations of the behaviors that we have for each other, which is built on the foundation of our culture. And we use those as the criteria to uh, bring in our interview candidates. We didn't use, yeah. like, we need to fill X percentage of positions with this type yeah. of, um, you know, race or color or sex. We went down to simple values and behaviors that are expected inside of the walls of software and we use that as our interviewing criteria and yep. criteria in recruitment and what we noticed is because of that culture which i'm sure we'll expand later which is based on love we were able to bring in talent from 
all diverse backgrounds because or, because we did not intentionally go after certain type of demographics. We, we yep. really tried to make sure, will they fit into the culture of software? And that organically allowed us to build a true diverse organization. Yeah. And then I think we carried that sort of recruitment experience forward. And I know you guys probably remember me saying like how much I hated my first day here, even though I still love the organization, right? <laughs> and, you know, the HR team heard that, took that feedback. And we are now intentional about everyone's first day in US and in India, right? So, you know, we get custom things for that person. So we scour and talk through the interview process we learn about them. When they arrive on their first day, they actually have gifts waiting for them, a letter, you know, a, a all of their emails figured out, their calendar set up with meetings that they already know about, right? So we start ingraining the culture of Softway from day one, but it's naturally tailored, tailored to that person and to their preferences, right? And that small little token of sort of celebration and appreciation and, and sort of including them into now the fabric of Softway goes a really long way of thinking about a culture of inclusivity without it being a DNI initiative or a DNI moniker attached to everything. Um, and just to see that small subtle thing where like everybody now remembers their first day. Everybody that I've talked to or at least can tell the story of what they received in their big gift basket, um, but also how they were able to go from person to person or room to room and know how their first day was going to unfold. And they weren't sitting there by themselves, twiddling their thumbs at a desk, which is the typical experience of a first day, right? Um, and I think if you start looking at those cultural moments where you can be sort of intentional about roping people into your culture, you will find that inclusion will naturally be, you know, a part of that experience. Totally agree. And I think, uh, Jeff, we, we noticed, and, and you were part of this journey, but we were having issues with inclusion of our India team, right? Because all of our projects require uh, skill sets coming from different geographies and different backgrounds, creatives, UX folks, mm -hmm. consultants, project managers, technologists, all have to come together to deliver our client projects. Mm -hmm. And we were struggling with getting, being inclusive with our India team from the get-go of the project. In fact, yeah. they would come into the tail end of the project. They weren't inclu included in the decision-making. They weren't included in the strategy. They weren't included in, in planning of the projects. And they were then just at the end handed over, here, go deliver this. Here's the wireframes. Here's the project scope. Go finish this. And they had no buy and they had no say. And we saw our results and outcomes weren't being achieved, let alone our teams were feeling excluded in India. And we understood that we needed to have better outcomes. So we, we drove our decisions to change how we include our India and technology teams as a part of the process from the get-go, from the initiation, from the kickoff, rather than bringing them through halfway through. And we didn't do that again because we wanted them to be inclusive. We did it because we wanted better project outcomes by knowing that we need to bring them inclusive. But the driving reason was business outcomes. Um, and that's how we started to get to better inclusion inside of the organization. We're not experts, we still have problems. We've obviously recognized that uh, we still have inclusion issues that we still must overcome, mm -hmm. uh, such as we are still um, not as inclusive or diverse from a, a leadership uh, standpoint or management team standpoint. Um, and we are still working on it, but 
those are some of the ways that we organically started to build a, a diverse and inclusive culture inside of the company. So, Mohammed, and anyone else in this conversation, do you know what my favorite food is by chance? I know. It's Indian. Food. I think I know. <laughs> it's Indian food. Yes. Do you know why it's Indian food? No. <laughs> soft way. It's soft. <laughs> but, but that's actually completely true. So, Mohammed, I've known you for a long time. Um, I've known you from even when before I was formally working with Softway. And I remember that we would go out to eat. Remember that that Indian restaurant that was on uh, that buffet that was on like in that. What was that buffet? Sorry. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Jeff's favorite food is not a type of food. It's just buffet. It's just buffet. <laughs> it's just buffet. But I, I was introduced to a, a completely different culture through the food. And, uh, and what's interesting to me is that our organization, our company thrives on our food culture and how food brings us together. And it's, you know, having these potlucks where, I mean, listen, if you want to have the most incredible Thanksgiving feast, come to a software potluck because the food is so diverse. It's insane. The different, it is not traditional at all. Um, and it's wonderful because people are experiencing different cultures. They're experiencing different flavors and they're learning more about things that they would have never experienced had they not come to a place that is, is openly very diverse in the, in the people groups that are here. But I, I wanted to talk a little bit about that because food is actually a very compelling way to bring people together and to help um, kind of stir up diversity in, a, in an organization. And not just not just that i think you know food we i mean we all know but the audience needs to really i don't think they really understand how much they don't fully understand they mm -hmm. don't we fully just understand. love to eat but um <laughs> more, more so than, yeah, you're more, telling more so no than, lies yeah. <laughs> more so than that i think that it's been scientifically proven right like sitting together eating together sharing the same food builds um, it breaks down barriers. It builds connection. It's why we're eating at every event and occasion and a celebration. This food is at the center of it. And yeah. you know, I want to do I want to do a whole episode on food, to be honest. And I think we can, because food is such an important part of our culture and our business, to be honest. Yeah. But to hear today talking about diversity and inclusion, it is a, a real tangible example of kind of extending this dialogue we're trying to have here of of the difference between diversity and inclusion being a compliance checklist versus a real tangible effort to solve business problems and culture problems or solve and overcome cultural barriers. And I think that's a very important thing to get across for our audience, right? Is that is that we're not saying it's the right way. We're just showing that D&I can be addressed in more ways than just a having a checklist and a quota yeah, to yeah. meet. And, and sometimes those checklists and those numbers can help identify problems, can, can reveal biases that we didn't know we had. Um, but it doesn't mean that when you check that box off, you've done it. And we, I love that. I love the journey we've been through of exploring our own DNI and going back and going back in our time machine and seeing, oh my gosh, like, you know, the reality is that we, we can see tangible examples of how, you know, I mean, even when it comes to like people who have special dietary restrictions, like vegans and halal and things like that. And the way we accommodate each other, it's such a very important part of how we include each other, right? Like we don't have a single meeting where we provide food, where we don't double check that 
someone's not a vegan, a vegetarian, a lot, and we make sure that the food is something that everyone can enjoy together. We don't buy separate things for one person. Like, oh, oh, you're a vegan. Here's your one. Here's your one thing, and everyone else will eat pizza. <laughs> like, like we, we, yeah. just, we don't. We, that's unheard of, and that's important, right? To me, it's uh, it's such an important part of what diversity and inclusion can really look like in another life. Yeah, and I think like going back to that whole food thing. Like, I know that when we have client meetings, we typically cringe when a client offers because we're like, you're not going to get it right. Um, we got this. <laughs> you know? it so, sounds so uh, we'll take over the food and you will enjoy it. I promise. Um, but yeah, like we take it seriously because we, we know that again, food is like the easiest way to include someone. Like it's a, a minimal effort, <laughs> like no thought. You, all you have to do is ask, <laughs> right? Yeah. What do you like? Right. Like, what don't you like? Right. And then you can like it's a very to me low investment in just opening up that ability to have someone feel welcome. Right. Because when I go back to DNI and what inclusion means, like I feel welcome and I'm sure we can all go around and tell stories about when we felt unwelcome simply because of our difference. But for the sake of this, like just food is the easiest way to welcome someone. I grew up in the South. Right. So. Like, if you invite me over and you don't have anything to eat, what are we doing here? <laughs> like, what, like, what, like, they don't have any home training is what you walk away and say. Like, they don't know what they're doing. <laughs> so, right? But go ahead. I, I do want to save some of this for now I'm convinced we need a food episode, to be honest. We do need a food episode. So I apologize I apologize <laughs> for interrupting, but but Mohammed, I, I want your help here because yeah. I want to bring this I want to bring this all together. You know, I want to sure. I want to talk about um what the business implication is here. Like we are a business podcast and yeah. it's not just about, you know, fun and love and culture. That's part of leading up to a business strategy. So can you talk us, talk through a little bit of why DNI is important to get right? Sure, absolutely. So from a true business outcome perspective, when we're looking at the digital world and digital transformation, uh, to truly unlock innovation in this digital economy, you need to have diversity and inclusion in your projects and your initiatives. And when you are able to look at the business value that diversity brings to your organization, it's, it's automatically a compelling case to figure out and fix inside of the organization. And so we have seen tremendous uh, benefits in our organization just by um, evolving the diversity of our company and being inclusive, we have seen upticks in our revenue, upticks in innovation. We've been able to win uh, diverse type of projects, even come up with diverse uh, innovative ideas and product ideas that uh, in you know a few years ago, uh, five years and behind, uh, our organization was struggling. We had you know, just the same type of projects, same type of outcomes, same type of issues and problems that we're, we were plagued with. And when we started to solve that through inclusion and diversity of talent and bringing them to the to the projects in, in a different approach and bring them onto the organization differently, we saw our revenues go up, we saw our uh, creativity go up, innovation go up, and ultimately it it, it brought in, you know, more revenue and hit our business objectives. So wrapping it all up, I would say that the way we approached it to be truly genuine and not just a compliance um, 
issue or trying to comply to government regulations or expectations. We approached it from culture. We approached it from the values and the behaviors that are expected off of our organization and our people. And we were able to hold each other accountable. And that culture that we follow here is culture of love, love and support for one another. And hence our strategy to DNI was love and building off of those values and behaviors of love for empathy, the, beha the right behaviors uh, that are expected, um, forgiveness, uh, trust, yep. uh, compassion, care, all of that factored into our DNI strategy. And that helped us um, start building an organization that traditionally wasn't diverse as well. Today, I think we can say we, we're very diverse, but we might still have to work a lot on inclusion at different levels of the organization. However, we're definitely on the path of seeing uh, the business results by virtue of it. And I'd say that, you know, empowerment to me, and, and I think that's an amazing definition of love, Mohammed. but for me, it's, it's all about empowerment in this situation. When you empower someone because you have a, a, someone who has a diverse way of thinking and a, a unique approach to something, and when they have the opportunity to be included to the point where they don't just have a seat at the table, they're, they're making the decision. They're able to drive the conversation, right? That yields that innovation that you were talking about. And so in this moment, giving people an opportunity to truly be part of decision-making, truly creative. I think that that really gets to the heart of what of what love looks like in this situation. For me personally, it, it, it stems from when you really empower someone and you give them the opportunity to do something and you have the diverse perspectives around them, you get incredible results. Yeah. And I just think that like, when we talk about culture, like inclusive cultures are truly resilient cultures, right? No matter what comes to the business, no matter what sort of ups and downs, like if you have an inclusive culture, you will naturally be resilient. Um, and if you are in situations where safety is a problem, you actually are a higher reliability culture too, if you are inclusive, because everybody's gonna be looking after everybody, large and small, like, you know, no matter what the issue is, whether it's, I don't want you to like poke your finger on this sharp pencil, <laughs> to I don't want you to fall and hurt yourself, right? Like you care for the person to your left and to your right because you are always thinking about their benefit their success their pain uh, but also their gain so chris you said something you said earlier really still resonates with me because of the simplicity of it saying that it's basically as you know that people feel welcome i think that that notion is so powerful to me because when you think about it i mean it doesn't encompass the whole idea but that the concept of Feeling welcome, as simple as feeling welcome can lead to, imagine two people who both feel welcome in a place trying to solve a, a dispute or a problem mm -hmm. or having to work through a comp. Like when you feel like, on the contrast, imagine if those people don't feel like they belong in this place. Mm -hmm. Imagine the same situations being played out and you start seeing a better picture of, of how business outcomes are really impacted by profitability, employee engagement, turnover, um, you know, all those things come into play very, very easily. I love that. I love that. All right. So um, I guess before we close out, anybody have anything else to to add here to DNI before we call it? 
I think the one thing that I would encourage any listener who hasn't started their DNI journey or is afraid of DNI, just because for some people it feels uncomfortable or feels like risk. It feels like we might say say the wrong thing and offend somebody. I think if hopefully after listening to this, you can see like you can approach a DNI outcome without ever using the DNI label. You can actually work toward doing small things that have big outcomes just by trying a different meal or thinking differently about who is actually going to be successful in your organization and changing your recruiting and hiring practices accordingly. You might get that diversity without ever having to stand up a DNI team. Not that I'm saying that the DNI professionals out there are not valuable. I love you guys, but I just want to make sure that companies that have not taken that first step and are afraid to don't feel like it's that big of a sort of mountain to climb. Um, and it is worth the effort. I feel like I feel like Chris is talking directly to me. <laughs> Whenever we talk about DNI, I always look to Chris and I'm like, it's not because you're black, but teach me about DNI. He's, like, you know, he, he's always reminding me like I, I'm like. I don't. I feel like such an imposter in this space sometimes, and Chris is constantly reminding me that DNI does not have to come. There are no experts in DNI. Yeah. No, but nobody has everybody's perspective. <laughs> yes, like no one has done every lived experience inside of this universe, right? So, Jeff, your lived experience is enough to have you at the table. You have a perspective that I have not seen. You have experienced things that I have not gone through. You have been unwelcome in places where I may have been, um, and so I think that that qualifies you to be at this table because everybody always is learning in DNI. It is such a fluid thing where I, I would hesitate to go after anybody that says they're an expert, even if they've been in the space for decades, right? Because it, it's always evolving, always changing, always fluid. I love that. It's well, stuff. This is great. Everybody's Thank welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you guys so much. This was fun as always i appreciate the insights and the open and the honesty uh, to our viewers always looking for feedback softway.com slash labs l-a-a-b-s hit us up there drop a note tell us what you think give us suggestions for future topics and things like that we'd love to hear from you but other than that always a pleasure this is really great i love this i, I i'm going we're going to plan for that food centric episode because there's yep, just so much happen. to say um, we'll make it a four-hour-long episode, and we'll eat the whole time. We'll make it. We'll just like make it a buffet of words and food. If um, it's an Indian buffet, I'm in, dude. I mean, it will be. You know it. All right. So, Brianna, there, I'm good. Let's go. Thank, you, thank you, everybody. Have a great day. We'll see you next week. Thank you, Jeff. Bye.